0: Hello, swimmers and welcome to another episode of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host Danielle Sperling and each week we chat to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. One swimmer has completed the Ocean 7 channel crossings in one calendar year and he joins me today to chat about the highs and lows of that experience. From Catalina to Molokwai and the Gibraltar Strait Andy Donaldson has had a year of hitting swims out of the ballpark. Andy has been one of our most popular guests, and I'm so delighted that we have him back on the podcast to update us on his epic adventure. Let's hear from Andy now. Hey, Hi, Andy. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Danielle. How are you getting on?
0: Yeah, good. Thank you. You've been up to so many special adventures since we last spoke. Congrats on the completing the Ocean Seven! It's fantastic.
1: It's uh, yeah, it's certainly it's been a big year since we last spoke, and uh, a, a lot's happened. But um, yeah, yeah, really, really pleased with it. Obviously, finished uh, finished the Ocean Seven, did this crazy journey, and uh, really happy to to be here and, and to still have you know all my limbs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you the first person to ever do them all in one year?
1: First person to do them, <clears throat> yes. First person to do them all within a year. So, um, I think I think the the quickest before that was uh, it might have been Linton Mortensen, I think two and a half years. So, um, yeah, we we ended up doing ours in uh, three hundred and fifty five days. So, so managed to sneak under that twelve month window.
0: That's amazing. Can you can you list them all in order for us? so that we all know what you did and in what order.
1: Sure, sure. So to, to anyone that, that doesn't um, know, the, the Ocean Seven are considered to be seven of the toughest and most iconic channel swims in the world. And uh, last year I set off to to try to do all seven of these within the space of a year. So started with the English Channel uh, in August, followed by the North Channel, which is swimming between Ireland and Scotland. Then the Cook Strait over in New Zealand from South Island to North Island, Uh, the Molokai Channel in Hawaii, Uh, the Strait of Gibraltar from Spain to Morocco, Uh, the Catalina Channel over in Los Angeles, and finished off with the Suguru Strait in Japan, And, and we did that at the end of July this year
0: yeah I w- and I wanted to start with the Sugadu um swim in Japan first because that obviously <laughs> you're the only person to have completed that crossing this year, I believe because it's such a tough, tough crossing. Give us a bit of the perspective around that. how tough was it and why do you think other people didn't get across this year?
1: yeah it's it's a very it's a very tricky swim, so it's it's in the north of Honshu. So you'd leave from the north of Honshu, swimming across to Hokkaido, and it's quite a narrow channel. So it's about 20 kilometers, very similar to, to what we have here in Australia with the Rotten S-channel swim. Um, and it's passing water from the Sea of Japan on the west through to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, there's a bit of a slant. I think the Sea of Japan's actually higher. So it's not really back and forth tidal movements. It's, it's more like a, a flowing river, uh, so to speak. But what happens is at certain times of the day, it's it's stronger than others. So at its strongest, it's it's about ten kilometers an hour, the the speed of the current. Uh, but it comes right down to about maybe one or two k's an hour um, at, at certain times of the day, and uh, just like any channel, you know, it's it's all dependent on the the moon movements and, and tidal movements. Um. The best time of the year to swim is, is sort of July, August. I, sorry, uh, July. um, And what had happened was there were 13 people that had tried it this season um, or that were signed up to try it. And out of the 13, this is not including myself, uh, none of them were able to either start or, or were successful when they attempted it. Uh, it's a complex situation, but there was a lot of factors involved. And in, in essentially, in the simplest form, there are two organisations that organise swims there. So you've got Ocean Navi, which um, have been doing it the most, probably have the most experience, uh, and have taken most of the swimmers across in the last decade. And then there's the, the Suguru Strait Swimming Association, which is headed up by a man called Harayuki Ishii, uh, and that's who I ended up going with. Uh, but the other 13 swimmers had gone with um, Ocean Navy, And uh, uh, there was a number of factors this year that, that made it particularly tough. Um, One of them was that the I, I believe the Japanese Coast Guard had imposed restrictions, meaning that swimmers could only swim in during the hours of daylight, so between 4 a.m. and 7 p.m. And it just so happened that in July, most of the daytime swims had like these powerful currents of, you know, up to 10 kilometers an hour. Uh, So, you know, the fastest swimmers in the world are are really only holding 5Ks an hour. So, you you know, that's not a battle that you're going to win. So Ocean Navi like to start from a particular point, which is a bit further back, um, leaving from Cape Kodomori. And they try to take their swimmers and, and do a bit of a banana across the channel so it's not a straight line but they try swing out west and um, take the swimmers out west so that when the t- uh, when the currents kick in um you know they've got a bit more breathing room to get across to the other side and, and come at come in at a more forgiving angle um but most of the swimmers you know the the, str- the currents were being too strong and ocean Navy, were uh, from what i understand had imposed a rule that they weren't allowing swimmers to pass a certain line in the channel um like if you went east of that line they would pull the swimmers out and that's what was happening a lot so it was it was very difficult to watch in the lead up to to my one swim like just you know fail um unsuccessful crossing after unsuccessful crossing. And it was it was the the discomfort was starting to grow online. And I was watching this. I could see it when I was over in Los Angeles getting ready for Catalina. And um you know I was I was speaking to a few of the swimmers after their their swims, just getting their experiences. They they weren't very positive. They you know didn't have many good things to say about about how the swims were being uh, operated over there, uh, but I think um, I think things really kicked off. <laughs> I don't think you'll mind me saying this, but when when Sarah Thomas did not start her swim, um, things really kicked off, and and that probably propelled it a bit more into the limelight. And uh, the World Open Water Swimming Association uh, sort of sat up and and started investigating how things were being operated here. And you know, my name started getting pulled into the into the conversation because I, I wasn't going with Ocean Navi, I was going with with the Suguru Strait Swimming Association and people were questioning, oh, how, how's he managed to, to go with these guys? And, you know, Ishii hadn't taken many swimmers across in the last five years. I, I think maybe only one swimmer. Um he's a gentleman in his seventies and um, you know, it's not his it's not his main job, like Ocean Navi, but it's, it's something that he can do on the side. Um, and he does it out of a place of passion, really. So I, I was very fortunate in that, uh, well, to, to take a, bit of a step back, um, I had tried to organize a swim with Ocean Navi, but I hadn't been successful. And, and I was very fortunately introduced to, to Mr Ishii, um, you know, over 12 months ago and we we'd been speaking ever since and built a relationship and and he kindly agreed to help me organize a swim so um all of this noise was happening before in the build-up to to the swim and it was it was quite it was it was not easy to to focus on on the swimming you know I was being bombarded with messages like oh have you seen this and they're 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 saying the swim is now impossible to do, and um, such and such is questioning how you organise your swim, and I'm just, well, I'm a swimmer. I'm I'm not like I've just done what I thought is right, and you know I've been fortunately introduced to this guy, um, who's who's able to take me across and has taken swimmers across successfully in the past. So you know that going in and then obviously the the this was the last swim of of seven that i was trying to do in the space of a year like there was a lot, the stakes were high and there was a a, a pressure coming into the swim and you know naturally doubts are going to cross your mind and this was probably the hardest build-up to a swim i've ever had in my life
0: Yeah, uh, I mean that must you. You're so strong to be able to block all that out and be able to go go ahead because those doubts must have been creeping into your mind. But you powered across in an unbelievable time as well.
1: Well, I mean it was uh, yeah, it was it was pretty rough uh, out in the out there in the water. Um, We had a window, I think we had a window of maybe five days, um, which in contrast the the ocean navy guys were only getting windows of maybe two days, I think, which is, is a lot of pressure, um, to, you know, we all know how nature and how changeable it can be, so, but for us, we identified the date that was the best of a bad bunch, really, and, um, but we thought, you know, let's, let's give it a crack at anyway and, and see what we can do and, uh, it was, <laughs> it was pretty rough we we set off um we were starting from a different point to to what most of the ocean navy guys do uh, a little bit further up the the peninsula um but i knew we were in for a long day when you know within 30 minutes it was that rough that i was already you know projectile vomiting
0: oh no <laughs> it, was, it was
1: really bad so yeah we had to just kind of sit tight and dig in and uh, dig in for the long haul it was going to be a lot
0: long... is it is that the toughest of the seven do you think
1: the toughest for me yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and that's it like everyone has different experiences like some people have had really nice and, and calm who grew straight crossings and others like like myself like adam walker i think he had a really tough one um it's yeah it's it's always changed but that's that's kind of the beauty of the sport and and what makes it exciting and interesting like no one swim is the same
0: and reflecting back on now that you've done that swim do you think that they need to consider another swim in the ocean seven or do you think they should keep that in knowing what you know now
1: it's it's an interesting question and I, I did see it come up online quite a lot you know people were People say asking whether it should stay in the Ocean Seven or not. Uh, what I would say is, you know, the Ocean Seven was it was conceptualized by by an incredible man, Stephen Monotonez. and his idea was to to create something equivalent to what mountaineering has with the Summit Seven and, and create this bigger challenge for for people to aspire to and, and try. Uh, but one of the things that was interesting to me was and he he said this when we met in los angeles for him yes it was it was this incredible challenge for people to work towards but he also explained it as something that would give swimming communities around the world a reason to be connected to each other mm. so you know we've got the english channel over in the uk we've got the cook Strait in the news um in the down under here in new zealand now you had this overarching challenge that would actually connect people and have give them some kind of common ground to be related to the people over in new zealand or the guys over in hawaii and you know swimmers over in los angeles and swimmers in ireland Um they were all part of this ocean sevens challenge and. And that was something I certainly noticed over the last year, like the amount of people that we met, the the swimming communities, um, and and the incredible people um, along the way that that were just so generous and supporting. And that was really the like, for me, that was really the highlight of of this last year that I've been able to make these friendships and and connection the connection which will probably last a lifetime and uh you know Japan we we didn't meet too many swimmers over there but it is it's a different swim like all of the swims are quite unique in their own way mm. like cold swims like Ireland, Scotland and, and New Zealand uh, you've got the warmer ones and huge swells over in, in Hol- um in Hawaii. Um, they all present these unique challenges. I think Japan. I think it's a worthwhile challenge, and I think it's in an incredible place. Um, for me, it, it probably needs a bit more support with the infrastructure. You know, now off the back of that swim, Ocean Navi have dropped out from taking on international swimmers. Mister um, Ishii is is in his seventies. Um, he's come out saying that he's happy to take more swims across in the next uh, year or two but I, I think you know there needs to be I think all of these swims need to be held to a certain standard and then really for me the English Channel the North Channel and and Catalina are, are really the, the standouts in terms of like they have incredible safety and supply of boats that can take you across you know like can meet the demand um because i think this challenge is only going to become more and more popular and um yeah we we need to look after the swimmers and and that 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 needs to come first
0: there there is a uh, a great business opportunity for you
1: Well, I mean, I think uh, I think uh, a prerequisite is probably being able to speak Japanese.
0: <laughs> True, <laughs> yeah, that would make anyone it a bit easier.
1: Anyone listening that wants to set up for <laughs> over there, I can make an <laughs>
0: <addition>. <laughs> And in terms of your support crew that you have on the boat, did you take the same people to each of the swims? Because I know she had um, Shelley Taylor Smith on there. Um, was she at all of your swims, or was that just in Catalina? Who do you take?
1: uh yes good question Danielle um the I think the the ideal scenario would be that you'd have largely largely the same crew in each each one and um, obviously with them being all scattered around the world uh you you link up with local skippers um because they know the waters best so we had incredible skippers in each each of the locations Um, you know Guys that really knew the waters, you, you you place your trust in them because you don't really want to be worrying about whether they are going in the right direction or whatnot. But in terms of a support crew, I was quite fortunate in that um, a gentleman here in, in Perth, a guy called Jay Prashal, um, fellow swimmer, uh, we trained together. Um, he was able to to come to six of the seven swims with me. And, and he became really my, my key handler and, and support member of support crew for, for the Ocean 7. Um, the one that he did miss was, was the Cook Strait, which is the one that I broke the record in. So <laughs> 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 I, do, I do kind of give him a bit of stuff for missing that one. But, um, yeah, I, I was super fortunate. You know, Shelley Taylor Smith, you mentioned there, um, absolutely incredible swimmer one of the one of the the legends of our sport you know um she's been really involved since the beginning um of this of this challenge just providing um you know a lot of insights taking me under her wing a little bit mentoring speaking from her own experiencing experiences and really providing a lot of guidance from that that mental aspect of the sport because like you know, the, there's there's statistics out there that say that marathon swimming is eighty percent mental, twenty percent physical, and and so that that's been really incredible to have her support, and she's been able to connect me in with a lot of people on the ground in all of these locations. Guys like you know, Jared Kennedy in in Ireland, or or Gronya Moss down down in New Zealand, um, incredible people over in Los Angeles, um, you know, it's it's just been really. Uh, amazing, and you know, when I set off in this journey, you know, we'd 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 come out with these uh, pretty lofty goals. You know, we'd we'd come out being quite vocal about trying to do the Ocean Seven, uh, but not just doing it, but trying to do it within a year, which which no one had ever done, and, and trying to break the world record for. Fastest cumulative time, which at the time was sixty four hours thirty minutes, held by uh, Attila Attila an uh, incredible swimmer from Hungary. And you know, a lot of people, I think, felt that it couldn't be done. And you know, I I came under a bit of fire. People messaged me saying, "Oh, you won't, you won't get the slots. Um, that's that's never been done before." And um, and it is, it's it's hard when you're open about your goals that you you do you do put yourself out there for scrutiny and and you're a bit vulnerable but the flip side of that is people people will stick up their hand and offer help you know people will admire your your guts and and see what you're doing and and will want to help and you know I was very fortunate guys like Shelly came on board and and Jay Prashal came on board to support and Obviously, my my family were were big parts um, of of the the support crew too. You know, my my mum came on on two of the swims. My dad came on three of the swims. Uh, my sister uh, took over my social media and embarrassed me a lot, but she was my far. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's so important. And I think when you've got the same crew or people that know you well. It just makes it a lot easier, and it's one less thing to worry about when you're preparing for these swims because they know you and they know the drill. So it's it's just it's just a matter of it's one less thing to worry about, and you can just turn up and and execute.
0: I know you just mentioned Shelley helped you a bit with the mental side of things. What what kind of um strategies did she give you to help with that?
1: I think there there were a lot of different ones, you know when I went to Dover for the first time, uh, for the first swim. And yes, we'd we been quite vocal about going for fast crossings and, and breaking records. Um, It was difficult because I hadn't really experienced the Dover coaster before. So the Dover coaster is what they, they call the sort of waiting period before your swim. Like, a lot of these channel swims, they, they give you a window of days. Uh, they have a slot system, so slot one will go and get first priority in that window of like a good day. Um, then it goes to slot two, slot three. I I was slot four for the English channel, so I'm having to wait for three people to go before it's my turn. And if the weather's not good in that window, then you know you you're out of luck, and and you might have to come back another time or they'll, they'll squeeze you in elsewhere so it's it's very different to traditional racing which is what I'm used to where you pretty much know what day almost down to what minute you're going to be starting whereas here you've got so many factors involved like the weather and the the wind the the tidal movements um, the time of the year um so for Shelley she was she was kind of consulting me uh, con- uh not consulting she was um you know making sure that my head's my head was in the right space trying not to be too worried or, or get too um too worked up or impatient or any of that kind of stuff during that period just staying calm but also being ready to go because sometimes you can get notified you know only four hours before you're meant to go so it's it's that kind of balance of staying calm but being um being prepared for for dropping um dropping into a swim so yeah just things like that and and you know especially in japan when when there was a lot of noise just what kind of advice um she could provide from her own experiences that might help me in those situations so what we ended up choosing to do was to stay offline um have a social media blackout and just focus on the present and and the task at hand so there was a lot of things she was able, able to share from because she's been down this path herself and 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 you know able to speak from experience which is just just so helpful
0: yeah, absolutely. And if Japan was the toughest of them, what what was the one that you? Well, what was the? No, I won't say easy because then none of them are easy. But what was the one that you enjoyed the most?
1: I enjoyed them all.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> enjoyed them all. I mean, you know, I think you look at Japan or or Hawaii, which was another another really rough swim. Um. And of course, I think at the time you're not, the word enjoy probably doesn't come to mind.
0: (laughs) No, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) You go through those experiences and it's amazing how resourceful we can be as people and as humans when things aren't going to plan or we're pushed beyond our limits, like we somehow can find a way through. And I think what's amazing is when you can look back at that and you can realise just how how we can deal with adversity when when it comes our way because it is it's, it's inevitable in life and that's quite amazing. I think that those points which yeah I suppose are your lowest lows when you know for me I was I was only covering one point five k's an hour in Hawaii at one point uh, which is taking for for the swimmers out there, it's taking four minutes to do 100 metres. That is like the lowest of lows and you're getting pushed off course or you're not making any forward progress. But it was also the highest high because it was able to push through and, and keep on going no matter what. And, you know, there's a lot of things that that motivate, motivated me to keep pushing through in those moments. Um, But that will always be in my arsenal, I can always draw on that experience when life ever gets tough. And you know, if I hadn't gone through that in in Hawaii and and had a really tough swim there, I, I might not have had it in me to to finish off in in Japan when times got tough. So, um, that's not really answering your question, though. It's
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I'd say. I mean, I think in, enjoyable. I I I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed straight at Gibraltar. Um, that was the shortest of the swims, and it was quite calm. Um, everyone on the boat was laughing and listening to music. Uh, I was actually a bit envious because everyone was having such a good time on the boat that I wanted to be joining them. Same with Catalina. We had, I think, we had like eighteen people on the boat. It just it was like a party, and I, I kind of wished I was on there. As
0: well. A bit.
1: I think obviously swimming swimming to Scotland that was very special. Growing up there and and being being a Scotsman, um, New Zealand was amazing. And you know, if I was really forced to to pick a favourite from all of them, uh, I think my time over there um, was really special. I ended up sp- spending almost a month in New Zealand trying to wait for wait for a, an attempt and a crossing, and I, I really got to know a lot of the the swimming locals over there. Uh, made some really amazing friendships and still spoke like speak to a lot of them most most days so um as a whole that was a really special experience and obviously went on to to break the world record in that swim which was uh, something really special so
0: what what was your your entire um time I know you mentioned before the world record was 64 hours what did you end up doing across all seven swims
1: I ended up swimming all the ocean seven swims in 63 hours and two minutes right um so when i when i started i i sort of had this mind uh this this number in mind of around 50 hours (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and look i i think i think i i probably came into this challenge a bit uh, Well, i'll be honest a bit naive and not really knowing what was out there and, and probably a bit too focused on on numbers and times and results, um, and in that attitude, I mean, it's it's probably a byproduct of coming from the the competitive background, especially pool swimming, where that is the focus. It's always about the times and and the results. But in these channel swims, there's there's so many va- factors involved that you know time is really a product of things largely outside of your control, like the weather and the conditions, and that that mindset sort of changed as I went and for me it was more about right if I swim the best swim possible based on how I feel on that day if that's good enough to get across then great and you know if it gets a a fast time that that's really a bonus and you know that my 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 sort of mindset and, and what I defined as a success that that perspective changed. And, you know, it's, it's highlighted by Molokai. You know, I, I went almost 16 hours in Molokai. Uh, and then my friend, Bronya Moss, who's, uh, let's say a bit bit older than me, I don't want to put a number on it, maybe 20, 20 years older. She went an hour faster, like two weeks later, um, a woman in her fifties. So it's, you know, you, 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 you can't do any more than giving it your best. And with that cumulative time, we came into the last swim with with a fairly decent buffer um, on on Attila and Yoki's times, if you were to add them up. Um, and it went right down to the wire, you know. On the day, we had this 7 p.m. curfew. And that seven pm also was like the almost like the time limit for beating Attila Minyoki's sixty four hours, uh, and we came within an hour of that. You know, at the end, so it was. It was stressful, and um, it really went down to the wire. But you know, that's that's ocean swimming for you. There's and and that's the nature of the the nature of the beast. If you give it your best, you can't ask for more.
0: Absolutely, and you certainly gave it your best. I mean, what a what an amazing feat that you've you've done. You must you must just be so exhausted.
1: <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think mentally as well. Uh, we, we talk about the physical challenges of the sport, and obviously the, the cold water, the distance, um, you know, large swells—they're all going to take it out of you. But I think mentally. You know, we the way things landed, like as I mentioned before, I didn't start this challenge with everything booked in. We we pretty much just took whatever we could get. And how that ended up falling was like the last oh, the last five swims were month back to back, back to back. Yeah, they were close. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And having to pick yourself up mentally. Yeah after each swim and, and get back on the horse and and give it a, another crack um you know that was that was really tough and you know i'm not i'm not full time swimmer i have a job um i have you know external pressures as well in june um that that happened to me i i had some um work issues that that really were starting to overflow into into the challenge uh, a couple of personal issues um was in a bit of financial trouble and that really really smashed me mentally and I ended up I, I flew over to Los Angeles and I just I completely crashed before the swim got really sick was in pretty much bedridden in in the days leading up to it I was sleeping sleeping like 14 hours a day and um you know it's it's hard enough when you're not feeling great to to just go into work or you know if you or to do turn up to training but when you have to do a 30 32 kilometer swim and uh you know you've got people I had my family flying in from Scotland to watch it I had other people from America flying in uh, to support uh on the boat. You know, you, you don't want to let anyone down. And it was, it was, it was tough. And I, I it was the only time in, in this last year that I I felt like I didn't want to be there. And I felt like I didn't want to be there because I was scared, scared to fail and and to let people down. And and that was very that was very confronting those days. And you know, the negative thoughts were were sort of you know flowing in, like smashing through the it felt like, like a sort of dam wall and everything's like trying to hold.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um and that was tough, but it was amazing. It it wasn't really until the day of the swim when you know my dad i saw my dad and my aunt and uncle my dad's partner debbie and they were waiting in the docks and just like a like a switch flicking you know i just thought you know what don't really care how i feel i'm just gonna give this everything whatever i have in the tank i don't feel i don't even feel like i'm 60 percent good but you know, that's life, you know, you can wait for the stars to align. You can't feel your best every day, but you can give your best every day. So let's let's just do that.
0: I think that's what got you through all seven of the swims. I mean, that's fantastic. I love, I love that mindset and you must, you must just have such a strength of um, mindset and self-talk to be able to get yourself through those times. I mean, even more impressive when you are feeling down and, and not physically well.
1: Yeah, I mean I think for me it's it's yes, it's it's good to have self-talk and, and all these these tools in the arsenal. I think I, I draw my strength from, from others. That that would be my my secret. Like um I'll I'll give an example of that. Um in the North Channel, the swim from Ireland to Scotland, it's 34 kilometers. they they consider it to be the toughest channel swim in the world, or the toughest of the Ocean 7 swims. And for anyone that's that's obviously been to the UK, you know, it's cold enough in the air, on the land, never mind in the water. So it it kind of paints a picture. Um, And so we're swimming this swim. As you know, as all marathon swims do, you're not wearing a full bodysuit or a wetsuit. you're just in your trunks, and I get to the I get to the three-hour mark in this swim, and it's it's a cold day, like it's just cold in the water. It's it's overcast, so there's no sun on your back, uh, and I'm really starting to struggle. I'm really starting to struggle. I feel my arms just getting really heavy. the The stroke rate is starting to plummet. And, and my body is just shutting down, uh, really having a bad time. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, like, geez, this is like, this is not even halfway, like it's only a third of the way in. And and I, I don't know how I'm going to keep going for another, you know, f- five minutes. Like, I'm really in a bad place. And um, I was trying to go to my usual tricks, you know, like my, my positive self talk, or, you know, breathing slowly in and out to try and breathe out the, the, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but none of it was working. None of it was working and, uh, so on along. and I just think like, I look up at the boat and, you know, I see my mum there. Um, I see Jay, Jay Prushall, I see Jerry Kennedy. And I just remembered. I was like, "Oh crap! They're they're here for me. You know, these guys are here. They're here to support me." So, like, I had a sort of a eureka moment, and I shouted up to them. I was like, "I need to tell them what's going on because they might be able to help me." So, I shouted up to I shouted up to Jay, and I was like, "Oh, Jay, arms are heavy, feeling weak." But energy is good. <laughs> <laughs> like he just, he just laughed, and the uh, he usually writes on a whiteboard, so that I, I have my earplugs in. But he wrote on this, on this whiteboard, and it was, it was something along the lines of, uh, "We hear you, message received, warm feeds coming,
0: nice." <laughs> and it was something
1: as simple as that, but like in an instant this weight off my shoulders just just completely left and I remembered that I'm not tackling this challenge alone and you know we we talk about marathon swimming it's it's you know people think it's this solo endeavor but and to an extent you know you've only got the one swim in the water but it's the furthest thing from a solo as possible. Like you can't do challenges on your own and you you have to have a team to, to be successful. And, you know, you've got the skipper, you've got the support crew, you've got your observers and, and your, you know, if you take a step back, you've got your coaches and your teammates, your family, that support you every stroke of the way. And that was an incredible reminder of that moment. And what the guys did, they, they heated up the feed so that it was like almost piping hot, to warm me up from my insides and and heat up my core Uh, and they made the feeds a bit more frequent so instead of every 20 minutes they they brought it down to every 15 and it was just amazing like it really just started to to pick me up again and I, i started feeling lighter i could bring up my stroke rate and we started charging home and from this position of being you know thinking to myself I can't even manage another five minutes the guys managed to squeeze another five hours out of me and we ended up finishing in, in a time of nine hours 13 which was was only four minutes off the world record so it was just incredible and it was the the epitome that uh for me it was it was an incredible reminder that like life you know when challenges come our way it's it's okay to stick up your hand and, and ask for help.
0: And I know that you've tied these um swims to the charity that you're raising funds for. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? Because I, I was gonna let everyone know we'll put a link in the show notes for people that wanted to still donate um to that fund for you.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. So um yes, when one of the big things that I wanted to do through this Ocean Seven challenge was to uh, to use it as a platform to um share powerful messages around um around you know courage resilience and um, the importance of teamwork uh, and to also raise money for mental health you know as someone that's had their struggles as well um and and knowing many people that that have suffered from depression and anxiety and um, it's, it's a cause that's close to my heart so i chose to raise money for a um international mental health research charity called the black dog Institute um they're all about trying to better understand um the whole subject not just how to better treat it but to to understand it so that it can be um mental illnesses can be prevented and, and issues can be prevented uh, so it's it's been it's been incredible. And I, I've just I feel that marathon swimming and, and all of these challenges, they've taught me so many lessons that I feel are so transferable and applicable to life and so heavily tied to to resilience and, and mental health. You know, that example I just gave there with um the North Channel sticking your hand up for for help or um, you know defining what is success like the the, the Strait of Gibraltar where I, I crossed in two hours 56 and there's a 70 year old woman that's only five minutes slower than me you know but that was the best swim that I could create on the day and that day was it was like super flat it was just it looked amazing but underneath things weren't good and, and the currents weren't ideal. And it, there's a there's an example of, you know, there's, there's more than meets the eye and, like, there's more beneath the surface and, like, life, sometimes our biggest challenges are hidden uh, from. So, yeah, it's, it's just been amazing. And I'd love to, I think for me, my, my future steps, I'd love to continue sharing these kind of messages in my life. In the hope that it might help help other people, um, especially those that have that have been through tough times like myself, um, and and other swimmers who who would love to take on challenges like the ocean seven.
0: Yeah, that's like have you ever seen that diagram where there's a it's a, sometimes it's portrayed as a a pyramid or a mountain, and the the person standing on the the dais, um, getting their gold medal, but underneath them is all their support people under the water no one gets to see all their support people all the struggles they've been through or everyone that's propping them up to get them to that point I think you just described that perfectly right then and there
1: I mean I think that's it's it's an incredible image that Danielle and you know I I wanted to make sure that through this journey we we showed all aspects of it or as many aspects of it as possible because I feel like with things like social media, you, you only see the highlights of, of things, and and I didn't want it to be like that. Like I didn't want to just put pictures of everyone at the finish line high fiving, and we've we've done this swim. It's, 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 that's not reality? Like there's so many challenges, um, and and things that happen that that bring you to that point. Um, so we wanted to show you know the the difficulties out in the middle of the channel and and how bad the conditions were or you know me throwing up after a swim after my blood sugar levels getting completely thrown off or in molokai it was it was a very emotional swim and afterwards i was in the in the showers and i, I pretty much broke down i was just so mentally smashed it really took everything and you know, it's it's it is quite scary to be that open and, and vulnerable. But on the flip side, it, I felt that it might show other people that that are experiencing adversity and going through tough times that that they're not alone there, and and it's a more realistic view of of these challenges and, and a more realistic view of life
0: absolutely i think that you the fact that you're so honest and um sort of giving about your experience i think is going to help other people listening and i know you're doing a lot of speaking sort of around different swimming sort of um places and, and other podcasts and and public speaking as well and I, I think that just getting your message out there is going to help people in general
1: well that's uh, that's that's the plan <laughs> yeah <laughs> I understand my accent, so.
0: Oh yes, we like your accent. It's nice. <laughs> do you see yourself doing any more big swims like that? I know you're going to do one coming up in um, Montenegro, but any more really long swims on the agenda?
1: Ah uh, yes, yeah, so I've got got Montenegro later this this month. Uh, I had a listen to to your uh, your chat with is it Nicholas?
0: Nicholas, yes.
1: So um, we hopefully get to catch up with him over there. Uh, for him to experience open water swimming uh yes that's that's the idea we we have um a few swims in the works uh there are a couple around the world that i'd love to to have a crack at and and really train up hard and, and see if i could see what i could fall down at um maybe something like the the manhattan island swim like um that has a bit of a a draw to it you know I've never been to New York as well so I think that would be special but um there's there's some exciting challenges in the works uh there's one here in Perth that I'm going to do next month um in in conjunction with Telephone, the the major charity event here um but I think where I might where I see myself going, and, and what appeals to me is is more I like the idea of the expedition swims. And, and doing these longer ones that that might take several days to complete. And, and trying to swim from one place to another that that maybe someone hasn't done before. And so speaking with a few people, we've we've got a few things in the works. Which which I can't talk to, just until they become public. But um, yeah, that's that's in the works. And then also, um, you know, looking at the Ocean Seven, we we filmed a lot of that, um, and making a documentary is something that I think something I'd love to do, and and to not just you know share share my story and my, my learnings, but to also shine a light on the sport and and the community that's in it because without the community and the people that I met you know I wouldn't have finished I wouldn't have completed this challenge like it I wouldn't complete this challenge and it wouldn't have been as valuable an experience as as it has been uh, without their involvement and support so I'd love to do that you know share their stories and and so many selfless people in in our sport that are are helping and um encouraging people to you know follow their dreams and and reach their dreams so i feel that they deserve some recognition and it would be amazing to share their stories and and something that might encourage other people to give swimming a try
0: i would certainly watch that documentary so let's get it up (laughs) let's get it on netflix
1: anyone's listening you know that it was it was the higher or was the be at netflix or?
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i want i know i asked you this last time you came on but i always like to ask um favorite five deep dive questions but i've made yours a little bit different today so yeah.
1: you, the same <laughs> you, no
0: no i don't know you won't give the same answers you had a great spotify playlist that you um you had oh. on your boat which i one song i didn't like but i like like the rest what were your favorite three songs from that spotify playlist
1: um i like um oh what's it called um uh, casey and the sunshine band oh yeah yeah um, give it
0: do you know the one No, i just um sorry baby give it up is
1: that the one one. one.
0: but i don't think that's the name of the song but anyway you
1: know you know what it is i know that one yeah that was on there um i'm pretty sure the proclaimers was on there that was the one i
0: didn't like come on (laughs) i don't like the proclaimers i don't like the way they bob up and down in their video like
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) um what else was on there? I'm not too sure. I mean there was um there was all sorts of things like there was uh, Pump the Jam. I'm pretty sure MC Hammer was on there. It was it was all 80s and 90s, which is, is really my jam. So um too difficult a question, Danielle. I can't, okay. I can't narrow it down. <laughs> That's alright. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about out of the seven spins? for sheer beauty of the environment that you were in what was the most beautiful sort of natural setting forget about the currents but what did you know the sur- the surrounds what was the nicest one
1: obviously the, the on the island it's it's basically like Jurassic Park um you know huge mountains that come right down to the sea but uh, we also saw bioluminescence in the water which was Oh, wow. really quite spectacular, and it was like swimming beautiful the stars. It was just wow, just surreal.
0: that that would be beautiful. and what was what was the nicest water to swim in of the straits, the channels? You know how every every water has different feeling wherever you go. Which one did you feel the best in? I felt the best in
1: I felt the best in New Zealand.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Okay. It felt quite nice in there. Beautiful water. Uh, Catalina was nice again by luminescence and and a really clear sky. Um, I was a bit nervous swimming in in Japan. I remember I to um, we we did a, a, a test swim before and I remember saying to Jay like it was just this different color of turquoise that that made me feel a bit unsettled and I was like oh. Gonna so have to suck this up. There, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you did you come across any marine life, <laughs> larger marine life
1: in Hawaii? Yes.
0: Yeah. Did you what? What kind?
1: Um, I can not really. It was at night time, and it was a big shape lurking below, and, and that was what sort of was was in my head. So. Um, I'd actually encountered dolphins not long before it so I thought it was more dolphins and I was just waiting for the waiting for the dolphin screeches uh, and I'm swimming along and it would have been about 11 p.m. at night um and I see this shape lurking underneath and I'm like where are these dolphin screeches where the <laughs> <laughs> And uh, when when they didn't come you know my like my heart just sank I'm just thinking to myself, no, that's it's not a dolphin. I, that's a shark. Uh, and so, you know, I'm trying to fight all my urges not to not to panic because I think they pick up on that sort of thing. So, fortunately, the the kayaker that was on the kayak, um, they had two shark shields hanging in the water. So, like these kind of cables that hang in the water and emit some kind of frequency that disturbs the sharks and and drives them away so I swum <laughs> right up here. it was basically a kayak uh because the boat is you know a couple hundred meters in front yeah uh and I think Kainoa who was the kayaker at the time I think he thought I was swimming off course so he starts paddling away
0: oh no Wait up for me, don't go <laughs>
1: Uh, that was an interesting time, but uh, it just it, it disappeared off but um sharks, jellyfish, dolphins, tuna um they probably be the the main ones that that I've seen in in this this challenge.
0: Well, let's hope that you don't come across another one of those sharks.
1: <laughs> oh, hopefully not
0: <laughs> yeah. And I suppose the last question I wanted to ask: If out of all of the seven, which one would you do again? <laughs> the shortest. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: oh look, i um, I think for me, I mean, it would obviously would be lovely to go back and you know, have a crack at something like the English Channel and try get it on a better day with with camera tides uh, and just see what I could throw down, but. With these swims, like, I'm not really driven by times or records. With the English Channel, you, you really have to wait for, like, one or two days a year. And if you have that sort of, you know, be able to go there and sit there for five weeks or or be able to get there uh, at really short notice, which is hard when you live in Australia. So I don't know. Like, there's there's a lot of swims around the world that I think I'd love to – I'd love to go and do so if I was to return to a swim I could be tempted to go back and have another crack at but again it's one that that has a big um big queue of people wanting to do it so uh, I wouldn't want to come in over the top of them uh, if it was ever to happen so yeah maybe maybe Scotland then Ireland and have a crack at that and, and really give it a good go and in with a bit better preparation for the cold and see what I could do
0: yeah yeah sounds good well Andy thank you so much for coming back on the podcast today you've been one of our most popular podcast guests and I'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy listening to everything that you had to tell us about the Ocean 7
1: well thank you again for for having me on Daniel it's it's been an absolute pleasure and uh yeah hopefully hopefully catch up in person at some point hopefully I'll
0: get
1: and. Yeah.
0: Hopefully. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Take care. Take care, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Andy and that this has inspired you to discover your own challenges in the water. We're finally back to weekly episodes. How are you enjoying them? Drop us a line at www.torpedoswimtalk.com to let us know how we're doing. <laughs> Today's episode was brought to you by Amanzi Swim and The Magic Five. I would like to thank them both for supporting the podcast. I use both of their products. A lot of bathers from Amanzi and I use them all the time. They're colorful. They're long lasting. I love them. That's why I recommend them to people if they ever ask what bathers I use. And The Magic Five goggles are fantastic because they're really designed to fit my face. Check them both out with their links in the show notes Till next time, happy swimming and bye for now.